what are some of the lessons that a father needs to pass on to his son that he's not getting right now? You don't have to impress me, son. And the, well, the reason I picked that one as like a as a pretty paramount one is whether we realize it or not, when you look into the psychology of it, our kids look to us as if we're gods. We literally can do no wrong in their eyes because their lens of the world is not developed yet. We are their world. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Rising Father Podcast. I'm Chris Rodak. Today, I'm interviewing Brandon Archer. Um, I've been following him for, I think, a couple of years now, and we've been interacting on Instagram, and we kind of did like a kind of podcast before, and then I, I think I had a screw up with my tech, and it was an amazing podcast, but it kind of went to the trash because my tech screwed up. So we're doing it again, got everything sorted out, got our high-speed internet ready to go, so we're, so we're good to go. So welcome, Brandon. Thanks, man. Glad to be back. Yeah, glad to have you. So the original reason I wanted to interview you was because I saw you on someone else's podcast talking about an initiation that you're doing, that you did with your son, and got me really interested. And since then, I've been looking into that sort of thing um, in my own research. Like I'm, I'm reading this book called Iron John. I don't know if you ever read that one. Um, yeah, sure. It's a staple. And just really trying to dig into what's possible for men and their sons to take them from adolescence to adulthood and all the lessons that are taught within there. So I guess we could start off there. So what kind of, cause this is unusual. Like a lot of guys don't, don't do this with their sons, especially nowadays. I, I have, I've never heard of it of anyone doing it in like modern times with their son, some type of initiation. Cause usually it's only like, you know, you hear about like a tribe or someone in the past doing it. So what made yeah. you think about doing that with your son? Oh, man, what made me think about doing it? Well, I think it's when I got into, you know, men's work in a men's group and reading books like Iron John and just learning the how we lost that from tribal society and this initiation and uh, being a man and going through the teenage years and going, what the actual heck is going on right now? And then you're kind of thrown into the world and like, let's face it, like when you're 18 or 19, do you really feel ready? I think if we're on, like I wasn't, I did it anyway. I didn't feel ready. And um, organization I was a part of, we we did some like kind of initiations for men. And I went to a, a live retreat. It's very, very, very powerful. And then as I started digging into it, I'm like, okay. Because I, I think my son was like 12 or 13 when I started with that organization. And um I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm in the window. So I started looking into different ones and what they looked like. And you're right, a lot of them are very tribal. You know, that's how I first learned about it. I think it's usually age 11 or 12 in a hunter-gatherer society. The boys are with the women. And then there's a very distinct, like, the warriors or the hunters or whoever they come in, sometimes very ceremoniously, like, take the boy away. And that's his initiation into manhood. Um, so I have Cherokee descendancy. My grandfather was Cherokee. I only met him a couple times, unfortunately. So I'm like, oh, I wonder if there's anything behind that. Then I looked into it 
And it seems to be one of the only ones where the initiation is, is between father and son. And I'm like, I read about it and I'm like, huh, I think I can do a version of this. So that's kind of how it got started. The idea got planted. And I want, like any father, you want more for your son than we got. You want better. You want to learn, um, you know, from our dad's victories and, and potentially failures. And we just want to do more. Like, I think that's a pretty natural thing to do. So I saw an opportunity to do something different for him that doesn't exist really in our society anymore. Mm-hmm. Do you see, I know you just said it doesn't exist anywhere. Do you know of anyone or any other groups that are doing this kind of thing? Um, what's it called? I live in British Columbia, Canada and Vancouver is about a four and a half hour drive away. And there is a for teen boys. I cannot remember what it's called, but they do get a bunch of teen boys together and like mm-hmm. men mentors and they do a weekend of this type of stuff. So it's out there. It's just very challenging to find. Yeah, I know um, Steve Eckert does something called the Squire Program. I interviewed him a couple months ago, which is similar, but I, it's more, it's very physical based. It's um, becoming uh, punishing yourself, doing hard things with your father. So I think that's awesome that they're doing that down there. And I would just, man, I would just love to see this kind of thing explode and more and more father sons groups and retreats and that kind of stuff happen because it's it's not anywhere like it's i think it was so important and just from i'm i know you've read iron john and i'm in the midst of reading it and one of the things they talked about was like i think he said before the year 1900 or some early 1900s almost all father-son working happened like 90 percent of it he said happened in a farm where the son was watching the father do the work and they work together and the son watched the father who watched the grandfather and they work with uncles and male neighbors. And there was just all this male camaraderie happening all the time. So they were able to learn lessons from each other. And then the industrial revolution happened and then father started going into offices. And then he was talking about how, yeah, kids just, sons just watch their fathers just go off to work and they're gone for nine, 10 hours a day. Then they come back for a couple hours and they just never see them. They don't know what their dad does. And I was just thinking, man, that is so sad, but so true. Like sons just do not see their father or they don't understand what they do. It's some abstract concept. But if they could, if we could find these ways to infiltrate and just connect the two dots more than this, that's happening right now, I think just, man, society as a whole would just change for the better. Yeah, hundred percent. And like what happens for boys and this is not like this is nobody's fault. This is where we're at. And now you put women in a position to raise a boy into a man and they don't know what that means. Like they don't know what that means. They they do their damnedest. There's a lot of single moms out there doing double duty and it's not helping anyone. It's just perpetuating this this cycle when you get into, you know, whenever you start asking the questions, whether it be in your late twenties, early thirties, it's, it's irrelevant. Like how, what the hell am I doing? Like, how do I be a man? And then you look back and you're like, on a societal level, it's like, right. Nobody showed us how to do this. Mom did the best dad. Like you said, went away to work to, to provide housing. And, and that's in a very nuclear family. A lot of moms work now too, 
but you can see where the wheels fall off the bus if you like really zoom out you're like oh damn we're not doing this very well as a society not at all because it's easy to get caught up in what you're doing i mean you want to you want to be successful you want to provide you're thinking about your job you're thinking about yourself you're also thinking about your family but you're not thinking about, oh, yeah, there's also lessons that I have to pass down to my son that used to happen all the time that are like sacred things that were just mandatory and it just happened but aren't happening anymore. And it's I can understand not thinking about it, but that's why we're talking about it, because so that we can think about it and jog men's minds to, to start doing this more. Because if, if you have a typical engineering job, you go the way to the office you're thinking about promoting, you're thinking about your salary, pension, and you know going on vacations and providing for your family. You might not be thinking about, I mean, my son is going from 10 to 12, um, and he's becoming a young man, and he needs to see this model of a father figure. Where is he getting that right now? If it's not from me, it's probably from YouTube. It's probably from watching some middle-aged man play Minecraft you know, on YouTube. It's not from his father doing an initiation ceremony with them. So I would think one of my questions for you would be, what are some of the lessons that a father needs to pass on to his son that he's not getting right now? That's a good question. Nobody's asked me that one. Um, What comes to mind is you don't have to impress me, son. Mm. And the, well, the reason I picked that one as like a as a pretty paramount one is whether we realize it or not, when you look into the psychology of it, our kids look to us as if we're gods we literally can do no wrong in their eyes because their lens of the world is not developed yet. We are their world. And it's super important in my opinion that we help guide our sons and daughters to their authentic selves. Meaning, son, this is what I believe about the world, about relationships, about all these things. But what I want you to do is take what I am showing you and go out there and see what you believe. That's good. This is what I believe. Now take it and make it your own. And the don't impress me thing. That's, there's parts to that because we want our kids to achieve we want them to be successful we want, we want them to learn how to be successful so we push them to to be their best and through that they learn to want to impress us and that's that can be a a sticking point it could cause some conflict and what are some of the pitfalls i'm thinking of some but since you said it what are some of the pitfalls that can come from a kid say a son who just desperately wants to impress his father all the time. So what we do unwittingly as parents or as society is we make love conditional when we do that. Mm. So it's like, mm. if you do this, 
I will show you affection. And kids learn, oh, wait a minute. If dad slash God slash my everything is happy, he will give me the attention that I desire and need. So it's a massive, massive responsibility as parents that we're completely unaware of most of the time. So saying things like, I'm proud of you, feels really good, right? It feels like the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Whereas we could, we could flip that. It's like, hey, son, how do you feel about a, that accomplishment you just made? Because we're, we program them to seek our approval. And how does that translate into a man if I'm constantly seeking approval from external sources, from my wife, from whoever is around me? I'm not me. I'm the version of a man that is, doesn't feel good or trust his own decisions or trust himself because I'm constantly looking, oh, Bob really liked that decision. Awesome. I'm going to run with that one. We don't trust ourselves. So how do you, tr- how do you, what do you say to your son or what actions do you fix to have that not be the case? like what logistically and like literally what do you say to him to guide his behavior and not have that be the outcome that it's a challenge i'm not going to pretend it's not i think for me I'll start with what I had to do to get to that point is I had to check myself. I had to realize I was doing that. I was living my life that way. Mm. And that I'm only passing on what I knew to him. So once I had all these realizations, oh my God, this is what we do as parents. Like I got to change this. Like I got to figure out why I'm offloading all my power so that I can learn or so that I know how to teach him how to feel powerful. So what did you do to yourself? <laughs> that's, that's, that's a million dollar question, right? Keep chugging away and keep going to depths of me that I didn't know I needed to, to meet. We hide, right? We hide for various reasons from ourselves, from the world. Um, we seek approval from other people for some of the reasons I stated. And just developing that relationship with myself that not not a lot of people do because we're not shown how to do it and only when i have that understanding and it's not just knowledge it's wisdom it's like lived it's like i have to live these things i have to connect with myself on these levels so that now as a father my ego is not part of it it's gone it's like i'm here to serve my son on a level that I know means something. Meaning I want to, I want to model for him how to connect with his own heart, with his own soul, because from that place, he is going to be a powerful man. All right, let's, let's go through some of that. So 
you need, we need to model how to be, how to kind of, how to love ourselves, how to understand ourselves and connect with ourselves so that our son can do that. And so he doesn't have to be reliant on, and you can correct me if any of this is wrong, but what you're saying is extremely important and powerful. So I'm, I want to make sure people understand it, including myself. Um, so we want to do that so our, our sons and children have this internal confidence and independence that they don't need the approval and constantly be, I guess, turn into yes people who are constantly looking to seek the approval of other people because then their identity is reliant on other, someone else besides their own and their identity is not truly them within themselves. That's hard to do as a parent. It's hard. That's that's hard to. It's it's tricky. It's a high level thing to guide behavior, and do it in a way where you're not, um, you know, you're not seeking a specific outcome from your child, and you know, because that that goes down to the micro level of the words you use with them, the everyday, um, good job, bad job, um, I'm proud of you. However you choose to say it, um, that you have to. Uh, you have to adjust every single thing you say. And on our, one of our calls I had a couple of days ago, we were talking about this. We were talking about, okay, the, the thousand things we say to our kids every single day and the thoughts we even to tell ourselves. Like, are we building ourselves up or are we tearing ourselves down? Just on this micro level of the thousand little things we tell ourselves. And that compounded times a million throughout the year. Like, what are we doing? Um, but this is, a good, this is a good take on it in terms of how we're talking to our children. Um, so let's give an example. Like if I want, if my son is being, has a negative characteristic trait where, you know, for him to be successful and for him to do well in the world, like he needs to stop. Like if he's, if he's, I don't know, hitting kids, like say he's younger and he's like, he's hitting kids. Let's just say that's his negative trait. How it is as me as a parent guide that behavior and stop it in terms of not, you know, in terms of logistically saying things to him, guiding his behavior in a way that doesn't make him want to seek my approval. Because a, a typical way would be to, you know, punish when he does it, reward when he doesn't. Yeah. Great example. And I'd start with why would a kid hit another kid or hit anybody? And the answer, I'm just going to give the answer too. It's because they are incapable of understanding what's happening internally, their feelings, their emotions, and they're lashing out. So here's where this gets super nuanced, but is incredibly important. When you punish that behavior, he doesn't hear the behavior. He hears, I'm not allowed to feel this way. Now the whole min suppressing emotion thing starts. Whereas you can, you can change it and go, Hey son, how are you feeling? The behavior is an outcome. The behavior is not the thing. The feeling and the emotion going on is the thing. But that takes, like you said, this is high level stuff. So if you don't understand that internally, if you haven't come to terms with your, um, I'm just going to say fear because it's very fear-based. How are you going to model to your son how to manage his emotions? 
we're very powerful. We can like stop behavior totally. And I'm not condoning obviously him hitting him. It's like, what's the root? What's the root cause why he would do that? And let's go there. Let's talk to him at that level. Say, hey, son, I can see you're hurting. I can see you're scared. What's going on? Because the behavior will follow if you go to the root. This is important for a lot of fathers listening. Um because it's different. It's different than we've been taught. It's different than most most fathers are raising their kids, and it's what's what's being said is that you know basically you have to you have to work on yourself first. You have to you need to dig down into yourself to be a better father, to be a more impactful father that understands his his child on a deeper level. You have to kind of understand yourself first. What are some of the things that a guy can do, a father can do to, to dig down into himself, to understand himself on a deeper level. If you've never done any type of men's work before or men's groups before, you just listen to this podcast and you're like, man, there might be a thousand things I'm doing wrong that I don't know. And I would love to figure those out. So what can I do? Yeah, that's, it's such a huge question, right? And like, where do you even start? Um, There's a difference. I was just thinking about this the other day. There's a difference between isolation and solitude as a man. Isolation, not good. Solitude is healthy. I think learning to spend time with yourself and your thoughts that are going on and your feelings is a great jumping off point. So that's why guys are like, you know, even the clients I work with, it's like I put them on a routine fairly quickly. It's meditation. It's journaling. And it's to listen to yourself. It's to like all the fear, all the shame, all the big emotions, the anger that you have been taught to suppress. Because interestingly enough, we probably had a situation in our lives where we hit somebody and our parents said, don't do that, which just reinforced, ignore your emotions. We bring that forward to our adulthood. So if you allow space to get really freaking honest with like what's coming up for you, what thoughts are you having, what feelings are you having, that can open up doors that you didn't know needed to be opened. That's journaling is one of the things that is um, I don't know it's talked about a lot, but it's people don't understand the power of it, you know. Because I, I, I journal myself and there's so many thoughts, like if you're just a typical guy, you know, there's so many thoughts flying around your head. You, you can't make sense of it. And a lot of times those thoughts aren't in a straight line. They're not organized. And you could, of the thousand thoughts, of the million thoughts you have a day, maybe five of them come out just randomly at your kids and your, and your wife and you don't mean them to. And part of that can be solved by journaling. It could be by having some structured things you write down and for me, my journaling is, is pretty simple. I do like I want to focus on these three things today. I'm grateful for for these things about my family or anything else in my life. And then it's um, I try to build my identity as well. It's, it's who do I want to be today? And I write those things. So other times I also do freewheeling journaling where I, I kind of write down anything I'm thinking and it takes a little bit longer, but it's it can be flexible, it can be adaptable. And for me, it's it's a tool to to help myself 
analyze my thoughts and get focused for the day. So if you've never done it, at least just give it a shot. And it doesn't have to be perfect. Like if you're listening to this, you've never journaled before. When you're done, just write down anything you're thinking. Everything is correct. Even if it's just 10 words, just write yeah. down something. Even if you write down, I don't know what to write. That's winning. You're already moving in the right direction. There's a ton of journaling prompts out there, you know, free, uh, what's it called? Just a lot, whatever thoughts are in your mind, just like dumping them on your page can be a great way to start your day because then they're not rolling around in your head all day long. Does it mean you've dealt with them? Air quotes, not necessarily, but you've created a bit of psychological space to get through the day. I challenge everybody listening to just brain dump it and watch how your day shifts quite quickly. Like within a week, you're going to be like, Oh man, my day went smoother. I'm like, yeah, because you got all that stuff out of your head that was like distracting you from work or from your family or whatever it might be. And what you find, my experience over time, and we're talking like it's been a decade, probably close to a decade. Oh man, my first, it was just chaos, just chaos coming out of my mind. And now when I journal, it's incredibly focused, incredibly like uh, direct. If I'm, if I'm dealing with something internally, uh, processing an issue, I'm able to like narrow it down to what's going on versus that chaos thing that I used to experience. So I just share that because this is all about consistency and the more you do it, the better you get at it. It's like no different than an athlete training. You don't, what you pick the sport. It doesn't matter if you train for a week for a new sport, you've got a week's worth of training, like if you make it a year, you're going to be a little bit better. Two, three, 10,000. No, what is it? A hundred thousand hours. I think it takes for an athlete to reach their full potential. You put a hundred thousand hours into journaling. I guarantee you're going to be a master at it and you're going to change your life at the same time. Yeah. Cause if you're going, you're taking what's inside your brain and then seeing it, you can only see your thoughts so well, whatever you're thinking of them, they're still blurry. They're not, unless you're having a dream and they're, it's clear and you can visualize it really clearly. And even then, it's still just like a movie. It's not words in front of you. And whenever you, whenever you write it down, you can look at it, you can repeat it, you can speak it out loud and they become more real. And yeah, that's been, I remember my first couple of times journaling, I was like, Oh my God. Cause you can be full, you can be depressed, anxious, stressed out. And then you write those things down. And then all of a sudden you're, it's like you're reading a story and you say, Hey, this isn't as bad as I thought it was or this, you know, this, I'm looking at this differently. This is like someone else wrote it. And now you can start to like analyze your own thoughts instead. And whenever you don't write those things down, you can't really analyze them too well. But whenever you see sentences written down on a piece of paper, you can then judge your own thoughts say, all right, well, how was I emotionally reacting to that? Was that right? Was I overreacting? So yeah, if you have not tried journaling, definitely just give it a shot. Only take a couple minutes at first. Just write something down. So you also mentioned meditation in your morning routines. Um, so how would you go about starting meditation if you've never done it before? Yeah, and I avoided meditation forever because I'm like, oh, it sounds so complicated. It's so simple. It's crazy. Um, my, my suggestion is you s sit down on the floor. Don't. 
I don't think a chair, you can do it in a chair, but I suggest the floor. Um, sit as upright as you can, legs crossed. Take three deep breaths. And then from there, you just count your breaths one to 10, meaning an inhale is one, exhale is two. You go all the way to 10, and you do that three times, and you're done. It's all it has to be. It doesn't have to be more complicated than that. And what happens in that process is your mind is going to want to think about the things that you should journal about. It's going to, it's going to want to like, no, I don't want to focus on counting and breathing. What are you doing? I got all these other things to worry about. And when you realize that's happening, you get, let's say you get to three and then you start thinking about the five projects you got at work and you're like, oh, I'm thinking about work. And then you come back to counting. And you just, but well, all you're doing is training your mind. It's, it's no different than working out. It's going to take time. You know, if you're going to do arm curls and you, you pick a weight, 30 pounds or whatever, at first you can only do so many. It's just the way it is. It's no different than meditation. You're asking your mind, your body to do something new. It has a certain capacity. So only getting to three and then you, your mind wandering doesn't mean you don't know how to meditate. Doesn't mean it's not for you. Doesn't mean you're not capable. It means you need to train yourself to do it. So again, it's consistency. This is all, all these, how to like morph yourself as a man or, you know, do these things to help your son. You got to show up consistently for yourself in order to be able to do them. Meditation is the biggest one that I get people resist on because it's like, it, this is hard. You know, I want to think about other things. I can't sit still. Yeah, that's right. And keep doing it. Doesn't have to be perfect. Doesn't have to be perfect. And it sounds like you're recommending meditation before journaling. So, yes. I have a, my suggestion is wake up, make your bed, use the washroom, do some light stretching or yoga into meditation coffee and journal that whole thing can be 10 minutes long it doesn't have to be this hour and a half thing it's the consistency it's like i dedicate 10 minutes a day to connecting with myself like you're already in the top two percent of men if you choose to do that that's it you just went to the top two percent and just show up just do it just do it and yes, your body's going to resist you. Your mind is going to resist you. And you're more powerful than your body and your, or your mind. Oh, that's a whole other topic. It's a great topic. The resistance that comes whenever you try to do something new. Before we go there, the th meditation and journaling, we're talking about that because we're talking about ways men can understand themselves and dig deep and get to know themselves better, connect with themselves better, so they can model that for their sons and model that for their children to circle back, which is why we're talking about that. And we're talking about things you can do and morning routines. And you and Brandy just went through a whole morning routine you can just copy and just start tomorrow 
and literally change your life. Like it doesn't have, there's a lot of crazy morning routines people do that take four hours. It doesn't have to be that. Just do something that, like you said, it's you time. It's time where you're saying, hey, I'm important. I deserve to do this. I need to focus on myself. And wow, it is amazing how quickly you can feel good if you do something consistently over and over again. Improved yourself, you can do it. And then it's crazy how whenever you miss your first day, say you do it for seven days straight, you miss the eighth day, how quickly you feel not like yourself. You know, if you you do seven straight days of journaling and meditation and the eighth day you don't, you sleep in. It's like, man, I, throughout the rest of the day, you're like, I really missed something. Yeah. I for me personally, whenever I miss that routine, I feel different. It's funny you say that because, like, personally for me, I'll go, you know, a month and then I'll, like, take a week a week off. I'm like, what's going Like, And then on the eighth day, I'm like, the wheels, I, I just call it the wheels start coming off the bus. You start feeling a little more anxious. I'm like, why did I stop my routine? Like, I know that works, yet I still stop once in a while. And when I work with men, it's like when they're like having a bad day, I'm like, how's your routine going? Oh, I haven't done it for a week. I'm like, come back after you get back on track. Mm-hmm. And then they do. And they're like, yeah, I'm, I'm good now. I'm like, yeah, I know. Yeah, so that's the, know. but that's the thing as far as modeling for our sons. If he just sees us doing that. We're, we're showing him how to connect with himself by not saying a damn thing. Like this is not as complicated as it, as it, we could make it out to be. It doesn't have to be, we don't have to be doing it perfectly, but he's watching us do it over and over and over again. And he will see your behavior and your energy shift. Like that alone, you are breaking a generational pattern that alone but that is all you do for your son you are setting him up better than you were set up because i mentioned like you know you asked uh i can't remember the question but he doesn't need to believe everything i believe and by me modeling that process my daily ritual i'm giving him a way to tap into who he is when he's ready to explore that because cognitively you know 12 to the the last stage of brain development and childhood development is age 26 not a lot of people know that how do you really know who you are until your brain is fully developed it doesn't even make sense right so you're just setting them up with tools to tap into themselves when the time is right. They're constantly downloading more and more and more information. They're processing the world. It's like, who am I? Any 20 year old that says he knows who he is. I, I kind of call bullshit. Sorry guys. But like you, you've lived 20 years and that's not long enough to know who you are. <laughs> Can you have a vague idea? Does that mean you don't move in a direction? No, that's not what it means. It just means like, you know who you are today, but you need to understand that that's going to morph over and over and over and over again. And if I can set up my son with a tool, with tools to like be okay with where he's at, holy crap, like he's going to have such a different adult life than I had. Yeah, if your kid leaves you journaling 
that'd be a massive win. It'd be very different than the the lessons that many of us were taught. So you need to build yourself. You need to understand yourself. Model that for your kids to under for them to understand themselves. And then if we could go into uh, more of the initiation, the finding yourself as a as a man, because um, that's part of this as well, and something that's not really taught. You know, I was a teacher until a month ago, um, and you know, I know it's it's not taught. We don't talk talk to boys about masculinity, and that's just that's you know it's something a father should be doing. But a lot of fathers don't don't know how to teach it because they weren't taught it, um, and what age do you feel like it or is there even an age where you're like all right this is when we need to start looking at some of these topics and take them from this the boyhood play play with toys play with pokemon cards to more masculine manhood topics tricky question right because everybody develops a slightly different rate mm-hmm. um I think I think every man should take some time and and research like childhood development. Like I'm not like we don't know anything about like what their brains can handle at certain ages. We can say, "Wow, it should be age 14." You teach them do 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 do. They may not be ready to comprehend that. So I think it shifts the responsibility to not just doing but knowing when. You know, you need to get to know your son. Like my son is on the spectrum. And at first that scared me. I freaking love it. I love his view on the world. I, I just love it. It has meant that I've had to really slow down and understand him and what he, what he has capacity for. Um, I think that's just reality. Like, especially when you factor in brain development ends at age 26, you can't, you can't slot every kid in at the same age. You should do this at 12. You should do this at 13. It's like, they're just different human beings. So I think, you know, I did his initiation when he was 16 and it it was aligned. It was the right time. I don't think there is a too late age. I really, really don't. I think if he's 25, and you're listening to this, you still do it. You still do it. If he's 30, I I don't care. I think that it's more that bond and trusting your dad and knowing he's got your back. Are you kidding me? Who cares if if he's 25? Like, you might have shame that you didn't do it earlier. You didn't know, man. It's okay. You didn't know. You didn't know how impactful that was till maybe you heard us talking about this today. Don't deny him that just because he's past age 16. That's crazy. So why is it so important for a son to know that his father believes in him and trusts in him? So that is super fascinating. I'm going to refer to childhood development again a bit. So there's, there is like obviously psychological ages where they think things should happen. A father's role, this is for boys and girls about age 13 forward is to learn to trust themselves. It's like 
you need to make a decision, son, and I support you, whatever that is, or I might guide you. But it's like part of our role is teaching, yes, but also trust yourself. So female role, feminine role, more like your, your emotions are okay. You know, a lot of soothing. Uh, we see that. And then, you know, we, we reach this funny age where it's like, you shouldn't be crying about that anymore. Oh, bullshit. He's having emotion. <laughs> like, you got to stop telling your kids not to cry. Can you teach them how to navigate those emotions? Absolutely. Very, very different than stop crying. You shouldn't be crying about that. Again, that, tell, like I referred to, that says you're not allowed to have emotions. And we all know what that does to men today because we're all unpacking that stuff versus like, hey, son, I, I see you're like having a hard day. See you're having a hard moment. Why don't you do this breathing exercise with me? Boom. You can't teach them that unless you're doing it. If you don't know how to self-regulate your emotions or your nervous system, how do you possibly pass it on? You don't. You default to stop crying. That's ridiculous. Because what that mirrors back to us, whether we like it or not, is like, oh my God, I see my son having emotion. It's triggering subconscious stuff. I'm not allowed to have emotions either. Come on. Like, that's not the way. We're all human. We all have emotions. So when do you do these things? You got to learn your son or your daughter. What do they need from me now? And you can't do that again unless you like do some work on yourself because then you can see yourself in them too. It's like, whoa, I remember that time I was super emotional when I was 13. My dad told me to shut up, boys don't cry. What did I need from my dad in that moment? But you can't do that unless you like work on yourself so that you can like now serve your kid on a level that you you just didn't know is there. Yeah, everything comes back to working on yourself first. And it's that's not a, a good it's not something that every guy likes to hear is that you have to dig down and do work on yourself first because it's a lot easier to read a parenting book and say a couple lines. Mm -hmm. Um but spe specifically about um, your children and your belief in them. This is something that I've been just pondering a lot recently. Um, and especially with my son, because my daughter is just ex is extremely independent and confident. And my son is too. My son is also confident, but he's also emotional and he's very, he reflects a lot. He's like very like, uh, I don't know, like he absorbs more and he's very empathetic. So I'm very sensitive to him having self-confidence and, and feeling like he knows that I believe in him. Um, and a lot of that, I feel like, comes from me having a self-confidence and belief in myself. And if he doesn't see that, he's not going to get it. But for me, it's just so important that he knows that I think he can do anything, that he's strong, that he's brave. And we do these exercises every night where I talk to them about their identity and why they're strong. They have to tell me throughout the day why they're strong, why they're smart, why they're friendly. Um, but I feel like 
one of the most important things for my kids at their ages right now, they're nine and seven, is just I, they have to know that I believe in them. Uh, like I see something special within them that their dad can see, and that they like, man, they know it. Like I, I, because I, I remember some specific moments with my parents where they just, you know, like, man, you got something special in you. And I was like, man, it means a lot when your parents say that to you. You know, so I feel like for right now, like it, it just it doesn't have to be anything insane, anything crazy. But man, if you just tell your kids every once in a while. I do it every night, but just let them know that, man, there's something special in you. That you have so much to offer people. Like, you've got this fire in you. Like, it can, it can really change their life. Totally. Yeah, because most parenting models, when you dig into it, are based on shame. I'm less than human or I'm more than human. So the bully at school is the being taught I'm more than human. I get, I belittle people and it makes me, it makes me more than human or the, the flip side is like, I'm not good enough. So you're like, you're hitting the middle. You're hitting the like, yeah, I'm good. I'm good the way I am, which is beautiful. Right. Cause we are all okay. Like where we are, do we have behavior that we wish we could change? Yeah. Maybe the answer is yes, but innately we're all, I'll use the word good. Uh, I, I actually believe that. But if their internal tape recorder is playing, oh, I did this bad thing, I'm bad, uh, that's not going to end well, right? We, a lot of us deal with that as adults. So that's awesome that you're, you're, you're programming the tape recorder to play a completely different uh, story. Yeah, that's not just for our kids, but for us. I mean, you know that just man, the, the words you tell yourself, the stories you tell yourself about yourself are just so damn important. I did so much. I Last night we got back from a little mini getaway, like, I don't know, pretty late. And my we I tucked my daughter in, tucked my son in, and I, I was going to just let them go to sleep. And then my daughter said, hey, Dad, can we do the I, I'm strong thing? I was like, okay, sure. I was like, that's, I was, I was happy she said that because that proved to me that I'm doing it enough. So I was like, all right, now tell, tell me why today you're strong. And she said, no, because I, because I did push-ups. And I said, all right, so tell me why, tell me what you're going to do tomorrow that proves you're friendly. And she said, well, when I go to the park, I'm going to go, I'm going to go say hi to a new kid. So we do, we have to review the day. They have to tell me actions they did that prove their identity. And then you have to think about the next day, like, tell me what you're going to do tomorrow that shows that you're smart. Because I just believe, you know, if you've ever read the book Psycho-Cybernetics and all that, um, you know, the repeated memories of yourself doing things is what builds your identity. And, you know, I can do positive affirmations, but if, they're, if it's not linked to real life events, it's kind of meaningless. So if I do, I mean, I've been doing this to my kids for a long time now. And they're just like, now they just have playing in their head. I'm strong, I'm smart, I'm friendly. And they're linking it back to every single day. I did this, I did this, I did this. And it's just something simple that can only take a couple minutes, but can change your kid's life instead of constantly you know, correcting behavior and focusing on the negative and disciplining and what they did wrong. Just like, no, what did you do right today? What did you do right today? What did you do great today? Absolutely. It's far more powerful. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. 
Um, but I'm going to get into the um, initiation. So we talked about, before we went down this road, we talked about the ages. I asked you about the ages that you would want to start bringing these topics up to your your son. And we said it kind of depends on their development. And what made you, you said you did for your son, he was a 16. Um, what was like the the pivotal moment that you were like, okay, it's time, it's time to do it? Uh, I think it was, it was a bunch of factors. One was I felt ready. That's a big one. Uh, one was 16. I could see, so he lived with his mom time at that point. And I could just see he needed something from me. And I felt like, well, this is a great, this is a great thing I can give him right now. And yeah, it was so powerful. So powerful. Want me to share what, what we did? Yeah. So like I said, yeah. So like I said, Cherokee, um, nation was one of the only one I've heard of where the initiation is between father and son. And it, it, it goes like this is that uh, a son or a father blindfolds his son, walks him into the wilderness, um, sets up a fire, sets him on a log and sit there. And then his father leaves. And the idea is that the son needs to make it through the night, staying awake, hearing all the animal sounds, facing his own fears. And in the morning, you know, if he makes it, he's allowed to take off the blindfold and walk back to the village and he's initiated. But here's the mind-blowing part is if a son does that, he, he takes the blindfold off in the morning and his father was there the whole time, never left. It's beautiful. So is that what you ended up doing with your son? Well, I was there overnight. <laughs> but yeah, we took a version of that. I, you know, I planned out this beach, secluded beach. We live on a giant lake or the town I live in and I'm like okay there's a fire pit there it's rocky this is great so we on the we started the drive out there I blindfolded him um got there gave him a backpack I had a backpack I left him blindfolded down this fairly rickety trail I had him like put his hand on my shoulder guided him down there I had like a drum beating soundtrack that I set up with a speaker, lit a fire. He's blindfolded this whole time, sat him on a log. Um, you know, fire, drum. I haven't said a word to him since we got like basically the whole time, complete silence. And then eventually take the blindfold off and, you know, I just spoke from my heart. I didn't really write anything down, but I shared, you know, how... Um, everything that I know is now for you to access. Like I'm here for you. Basically I said, it's time for you to break free from your mother, which I believe is incredibly important for a boy to hear that he doesn't have to rely on mom anymore. Um, and I was taking over that role essentially. Um, we did a cold plunge. This is his birthdays in March. The lake was still pretty cold. Um, I'd set up 
candles in a circle. We did some Wim Hof breathing face to face, a little bit of a connection, a little bit of just embodiment. Cold plunge came out. Um, had him face me. His name is Ryder. And I'm like, who are, and all I asked, like very close, I'm like, who are you? It's like, I'm Ryder. And I'm like, no, louder. I'm Ryder. I'm like, no, I still don't believe it. And what I wanted him to do was like, go into his soul, like declare who you are to me. And finally just bellowed it out. I'm Ryder. It's beautiful. And across the lake, it's very far, but you could see some houses. And I'm like, now I want you to go declare to them who you are. And he just stood on the edge of the lake and just not screamed, but bellowed who he was. Because I want him, I want him to own who he is. I don't want him to do things to please me. And I'm like, how did how'd that feel? It's like, that felt really good. And I'm like, yes, that's exactly. This is amazing. So we pack up and then I let him lead us out. Kind of symbolic of like, I trust you now, son. I wanted him to feel empowered. I wanted him to feel like um, he can own who he is. He doesn't have to shrink around me. I don't want him to shrink around me. I want you to speak your voice. Um, but I also wanted him to know, like, I'm right here. Everything I know is literally for you to know. And that's, he actually laughed when I said that. Because <laughs> why, I'm not sure I should ask him. He's 18 now, but um, the overall connection we had that day, I still feel it. That was a pivotal, something pivotal happened that day. Mm. I think what it is, is he felt seen. He felt like, oh, I'm not a little boy. Dad respects me. And I don't know how, is it six months after that, he moved in with me full time. And ever since then, it's just been a constant evolution of, connection of like me trying to figure out how to be a dad that he needs to be and i'm not getting it all right like i'm not gonna say that but i'm freaking trying and i own i own it when i mess up with him and yeah the thing here is that you were so intentional about doing this because mm. 99.9 percent .9 of you're the only one i've ever heard do something like this so 99.9 .9 percent of the fathers i know you know, would never think about doing this so that they can have a special moment with their son, plan it out, and go in with that on their mind. Because a lot of times we fall into these moments. You know, you're on vacation, you're somewhere scenic, it's inspirational, and you're like, I see a sunrise with your son. Um, like you planned it out, you wanted it to happen, you made it happen, and your relationship has changed forever because of it. Like that's that's a special distinction is that you were intentional about it and are working towards creating this better relationship and stronger relationship with your son so it doesn't have you can you know it's kind of like well were you born with it or did you learn it it's like you're you learned it like you're you are working towards it so if you don't have that right now you can do it like like you did it like you you can plan something out you can plan these moments out with your kids 
you can actively strive to still be a better father and create a better relationship with your kid, even if you don't, you're not there right now. Mm-hmm. I think that's important what you just said, even if you're not right there now. That is huge, huge, huge things to single dads, which unfortunately is a lot, right? I get it. Like I was rider with four when we separated and it ripped my heart out, ripped my heart out. Because no dad doesn't want to be with their kids full time. Like that's not very common. And what do you do? And the, you know, at the time it happened, we separated. There was this eighteen-year-old kid who I knew had gone through something similar with his parents separating about the same age. And I, all I asked him, can't remember his name, and I'm like, "What do I do as a dad? Like what? Like what did you need?" And all he said was, "Be there." And what does be there mean to a four-year-old or a kid? Like you really got to check yourself on the decisions you make once that happens. It's like, what is this? What do my kids need from me? And you got to do it, man. Like it's not optional. Like I don't think it's optional. And I understand shame. I understand all these things bubble up in us men. End of the day, like they need us more than we realize. And you don't have to be there 24-7. You don't have to wake up in the same house as them to have an impact on their lives. Don't. That's what we would desire, but don't just punch out because it might not be going down the way you think it should. I think that's extremely important. Yeah, make the most of every, every minute you have when you have it. You know, it's 2023 cell phones. Text your kid every day. I don't give a crap if they don't text you back because there's bitterness. Like, that's not the way it works. You don't get to be a dad because you're not getting love returned. That's complete garbage. And that's where your work as a man needs to come into play because it's mirroring back the love you didn't get. So what? Sorry, but so what? You need to deal with that, guys. Because your kids need you. I didn't see my kids as much as I wanted. But they know I'm here for them. That's important what you just said. I'm going to review that. So a lot of times, and I've heard it from older generations of, you know, my, my kids don't, they never call me back or they never text me so I don't so I don't do it anymore um, and you just said that that phrase and that feeling comes from them not getting the approval and love that they desired and then now they're transferring that onto their kids but really we should just be selfless leaders and give everything we have without needing anything in return we don't need like whenever I, I, th- I also talked about this week, it's um, crazy other stuff. Universe works. But as a, as a boy, I, I needed a lot of approval and I really sought like male approval. Um, we, I came from a big family. I have eight brothers and sisters. My dad worked all the time. Um, so he wasn't, wasn't home a lot. So like, I think that was probably part of it is I always wanted him to, you know, I always wanted that time with him. Um, so that might've been part of it. 
but from any time I was at work or any group or organization, if there was like a male leader, like I always wanted them to tell me I was doing good. Mm-hmm. And then it got to a point, you know, I get to a point where, you know, now I'm an adult, 36. I have a family. I've got my own employees. I've got other people like I can't be the one needing approval and affirmation. Like Now I need to be that for other people. I need to be that for my kids. You know, I need to, I need to now be the source of inspiration and fire for other people. One of my, when I was in college, I had a professor who was like a mentor to me. So um, important in my life. Um, he took me under his wing and met with me like once a week and just wise, wise guy. And then he died like two months ago. And I was like, man, like even even as an adult, when I met up with him, I like he was always like telling me how great I was, how special I was. I felt good, you know. I was like, man, it feels good. And like he's gone now, so I'm like, wow, I don't I don't have that anymore. It's like, yeah, but yeah, but now I can be that for someone else. Mm-hmm. Like you know, now I can I can be that source of light and inspiration for for someone under for someone younger than me. You know, we need to, as fathers, we need to stop seeking that and needing that just be that light for other people don't need anything in return then that's what love is and but here's the thing is that it does take work to to be at that place as a man where you can do that and you're not harming yourself because i think i think that's a slippery slope because there's actions you can take that are like you said selfless but could be actually damaging you it's, this is like a, it's a, it's, I don't want to say it's nuance, but I shared before the call, like I'm in this new place where I'm like, what is going on? Like, why am I, why do I feel this way? Where I can give and I honestly am not looking for anything in return anymore. But that took me years to figure that out, to like heal that stuff, to like, be to the point where my inner child, I do inner child work with my clients. I'm like, wow, my little Brandon like didn't get X, Y, Z from my dad. And that's just reality. What am I going to do about it? And I learned how to give that to myself, which is like, it changes everything because now when I show up in whatever space in the world, in life, it's like coming from this place where I don't need anything. Like, here you go here you go. And that is the power of men, in my opinion. Like this is, this is something you said about your son being emotional really, really hit me because they are actually proving in studies that men are more emotional than women. And I'm like, yeah, I fully buy that. And here's why. We have incredible power to hold emotion. There's emotion is who we are as humans, right? Feelings like you can't deny your heart. And we've been suppressed for so long saying we can't access that part of ourselves. We are giving away our power. So a man or like your son that is taught to embrace that shows up in adulthood mastering his emotions. And when you can master your emotions and hold them yourself and not look to other people, things happen inside you that defy what you thought was possible to be. 
So like the dads out there that don't call their, their kids if they're separated because, oh, they don't call me back. Sorry, man, but you're looking to your kids for something that's up to you to provide for yourself. Wow. You're looking to your kids to provide something that you you said it better than I did. You're looking to your kids to provide something that you should be giving to yourself. That's powerful. And, that's, and it's not modeled. Like, it's okay, you guys that are listening to this going, what is this clown talking about? I get it. This is not like, you don't go to your therapist and they tell you this stuff. Like, trust me, I've tried that. This is... And I imagine what usually happens is guys that hear this, they're like, I'm talking to your soul right now, you guys. Like, you know, this is true. You know, like I am speaking to your soul right now. And if it's landing, you're like, wow, why, why does nobody know this? Like, why does nobody know how to make this happen? We do. We do. You know how as a man, you're so powerful. You just, you just need to, integrate all that stuff so that you can show up for your kids, for your wife, for the world, for your purpose. Like you can do it, man. That, you know, and, and if you're, if your son is 20 and you're like, Oh, I wish I, you're listening to this. I wish I'd done initiation when he's 16, throw that judgment out the goddamn window and plan it within the next, like just plan it. it does not have to be perfect. It's not about perfect. It's about doing it. Yeah, it's not too late. We've all, every single, both of us have made mistakes parenting, but, you know, we're going to make future mistakes, but we're talking about it openly and honestly mm. so that, uh, you can all see that we're real fathers and we've screwed up. We're also trying to work at being better fathers. And as long as you're working towards being a better father, then you're on the journey. Like you're never going to get to, we're never, no one's ever going to get to a point where they've, they are the great father. Like, no, there's, there's no outcome. There's no goal. There's no end point to this. There's no perfect. It's just you every day saying, what can I do to do better than yesterday? What can I do to connect with my kid and be a positive impact? And, Yes, it is that important. <laughs> yes, being a father is that important. Thinking about it every single day. You can freaking literally as a father, you you have the ability to change the world. You, you, you can't, if you stop and think about the trickle effect of you, not even you just being a, I don't want to say a better man. I'm going to say a good man. I'm going to use the word good man. If you take the time to learn the difference between a, a nice guy and a good man and you, you try to live your life and adjust things to be a good man, that trickles down to your son. You're now setting up your, your son to be a good man out of the gate. How many lives is your son going to touch in his lifetime? Like you can't, you can't even, I don't know the stats, but it's mind-boggling. Hundreds and thousands tens of thousands of people because you choose to do something better for your son. Like you can literally change the world. I, I, you're not, you're not just some dude. You're a powerful man that can 
influence things far, far more than you think you can. That is the perfect spot to end it. That was great. That's a beautiful way uh, to end this and so powerful. Every, every action, every word, every facial expression matters because our kids are just absorbing it and reflecting what we're giving them. Um, so many powerful things that you talked about that are worth going over a few times. Um, and I think one of the, one of the most important ones to listen to if you're a dad, is just like, it doesn't matter where you are right now. Just try today to do something better than you did yesterday. Like it's not hopeless. The most damage you could ever do is thinking that it's hopeless and then not trying, you know, don't let your failure be more important than your kids like that's the the negative identity you may have about yourself or the or the failures you've had of your past those are not more important than your kid right now so I'll throw those out the window be the best father you can today man amazing interview once again this one will go out though <laughs> i think we got the tech right yeah, I think we got the deck right now. Thank you so much, Brandon. Um, yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Where uh, do you want people to find you and all that good stuff? Uh, easiest way is brandonarcher.com. My website's linked to my social media. I use my Instagram the most, underscore Brandon Archer. Yeah, I'd love to have you. And I invite any – I'll talk to anybody that reaches out to me and generally wants help. So I just want to put that out there. If you are struggling on where to go, like I was on the start of this journey, just reach out, man. That's where it starts. It's literally where it starts. Yeah, definitely reach out. You can see the wisdom Brandon has and can connect with you on a soul level and really help you out. So thanks so much. And You're welcome. It, we need to do this again. Sure, man. Love to.